verse 38 and 39 of chapter 10. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Let us pray. If we could have Reverend Hill way in the back there, if you could stand and pray, we'd appreciate that. Now, many of you have heard me share through this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We took a two-week break uh, teaching from, teaching about speaking in tongues. But many of you have heard me share in this book of Hebrews how that Paul was writing to this group of people who were being lured back to Judaism. And he was warning them about uh, not going back and laying out a perfect plan of why we wanted to go forward. Now, Paul wrote that to that group of people, but God turned around and gave us this book. And so sometimes you have to ask the question, well, why did God see fit to give us this teaching? And so we want to take it out of the uh, actual setting and realize that God is applying this to us. And one of the key things that Paul's going to bring out in this, this, what he brought out in the last part of chapter 10 and what he will bring out in chapter 11 is faith. Faith is such a key element. In the Old Testament we shared with you last week, it came up, it said the just shall live by faith. Matter of fact, we think of faith as a New Testament idea, but really faith had to be there in the Old Testament too. You had to believe that when you brought that offering to the priest and he offered it to God, that our sin was actually pushed, or their sin was actually pushed ahead for a year. That required faith. There had to be a degree of belief in God. And in the New Testament, he reiterates this same verse, the just shall live by faith. Now we're going to explain a little bit about what faith means, but let's, let's button up chapter 10. The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are to live by faith, but if we pull back and we stop putting our full trust in God, God said he would be displeased with us. There's a lot behind that. We're going to get to it a little bit more. We are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, when we get to chapter 11, we get to one of the great chapters of the Bible. Some call it the hall of faith. It not only, it's the faith chapter of the Bible, not only describes faith, but it gives us example after example. Great men and great women who had lived for God. And so this is a rich chapter to draw from, times where you might 
uh, face challenges, times where you might face discouragement. You can go back and read these things. Sometimes knowing that others have gone through them and made it out victorious will give us the strength to go forward. So Paul says, hey, listen, he's using this, this method of teaching to encourage them. We're not those people that go backwards. We don't draw back unto destruction. We are them that believe and keep on believing. Now, let's introduce chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think I'm going to need you. I'm having some difficulties up here. I think I'm going to need you to control that for me. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, two words here. Faith is the substance. That word could be described as embryo. And that's a pretty good idea. The embryo, that baby-to-be formed inside the mother's womb, and yet we don't see the actual life until nine months later. So we understand through the tests that they take and whatnot, oh, that lady is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. There's life within her. Now, the first few months, you don't see much difference, not even much of a baby bump maybe in the first month or two. But eventually, that which is in her begins to show on the outside. So when we think about faith being this substance, the embryo, we are saying faith is something that gives us a promise of things to come. Faith is something that gives us a promise of things to come. Now, if that be the case, then you have to ask, just like with the human embryo, there was something that made contact, the, the, man, the man's sperm made contact with that lady's egg, there was life that began to grow, and that eventually becomes a son or a daughter or a human being. So there's something within mankind that made contact, and there is a life that is formed. Faith is the substance, the embryo of things hoped for. And I'm going to get back to that in just a second. But the second part is, it is the evidence of things not seen. When we talk about faith is the substance, it's the embryo. But faith is, the, the Greek word is hypostasis. That which stands under something. So, under a building, the structure, the foundation, the, the undergirding, that which when you see those skyscrapers go up 30, 40, 50, 100 uh, stories, you know, okay, there's something that goes deep and there's something that's strong underneath it or else you'd be hesitant to get to those upper floors because you don't know whether or not it's going to keep you there. And, and you can even get up, I, I think if you've been to the top of the arch, Sometimes you get up there and you can feel it swaying. And you're hoping, man, I hope these guys that made this did their job right. Amen. I hope they weren't rushing out on a Friday afternoon and didn't hit some of those rivets. And all of a sudden I'm up here and (laughs) this topples over. You're hoping they did something right. Well, faith is not only the substance, that embryo, but it's the undergirding, the structure, that which holds things up. It's also the same word that they use for a contract. Faith is that which, hypostasis is that which holds that contract and makes it legal. If it's just a piece of paper and there's nothing to base that on, no law, 
no rule of law to base that on, then the paper's not worth anything. Which is one of the things, you know, I won't, let me not say it that way. One of the things that we must appreciate in America is the rule of law. The fact that we have, we have laws and we have contracts and they can be upheld and that you can sue and you can get, you know, you have standing, you have things that you can do. In certain countries you go and there's very little rule of law. The words that they say don't mean much. The contracts that they give don't hold a lot of weight. And so you could sign something, but it doesn't, it doesn't give you anything. Now, here's the same thing. If we have a relationship with God, but there's no faith in God, then it's not much, is it? I'm believing in what? If we say we have faith in God, we're saying, I believe that God is a good God. Amen? I believe he wants the best for me. I believe that he loves me. And if I believe those things... Then I can act on that knowledge. If you have a child who's climbed a tree and dad comes underneath the child and the child is afraid to climb down. And so dad is standing there saying, jump, I'll catch you. Jump. And sometimes that child is a little hesitant, I don't know. And dad's saying, listen, I won't drop you. You know I love you. Jump. And eventually they convince them and they jump and dad just holds them, catches them, holds them up in the arms. So our faith in God allows us to take what might seem to be in the eyes of the world irrational steps. We can jump because we know God's a good God. We can trust him because we know as long as we are in the will of God, we are in a safe place. Now, That also goes to say, if I'm outside of the will of God, I am in slippery territory. If I'm not where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, believing, acting, speaking like I'm supposed to be acting, I'm in a dangerous territory. Being in the will of God gives us confidence. Faith is not only that which stands under a building, under a contract, Under a promise used in business documents, the basis of a guarantee or transaction, it's also the title deed. So it is the title deed of things hoped for. As if God has said, listen, I'm going to give you this title deed. You know, if somebody would come to you and say, hey, I want to sell you this bridge in San Francisco. And they'd give you a piece of paper. Said, it's going to be cheap today. It's $29.99. All right, you can make three easy installments, $10, $10, $9.99, the last installment, and you will be the proud owner of a bridge. They're going to be like, yeah, right. Now some people actually do that. They believe in people. They put faith in things they shouldn't put faith in. Amen? But God says, listen, I'm going to give you something, and and because you know you are interacting with me, when I give you title deed, it means something. I'm going to give you this, and you're going to have this legal contract that says, I am a child of God. I'm a son of God. Now, that's the same thing that gives us access into all of these things that we need. Faith is what gives us access into forgiveness. You can't be forgiven unless you have faith that God will forgive you. Faith gives me access to a hope in heaven. I can't expect to go to heaven unless I believe there's a God there that loves me, that my sins have been forgiven, that there's an actual place called heaven that he told me. Amen? Faith is what gives me a belief that I can be healed because the Bible said that uh, 
Healing was the children's bread. If I'm a child of God, I can believe. And God said that he would heal me. Faith is what gives me a promise financially. He said he's not seen his children begging bread. He hasn't seen his sons or daughters. David said, I've been young, now I'm old. I have not seen his seed begging bread. It wasn't that way. He had faith that God, if God has provided for all of his other children, God will provide for me. So we understand then when God says, the just shall live by faith. Because it impacts every part of our life. Matter of fact, I would venture to say, Every battle that you have gone through has has been there because of a lack of faith. A lack of faith. Maybe you sinned. You went out and did something. You went out and uh, you were with somebody you shouldn't have been with. In your mind, you were saying, I know that God said that the greatest pleasure is in his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. But I don't have faith in that. I don't believe that. And I believe the greatest pleasure for me is going to be in the arms of this woman or the arms of this man. So really our sin is in essence because of a lack of faith, which we understand now. Man, this is important that my faith is strengthened. Now, faith is like anything else. A baby born into this world left by itself isn't going to live very long. It has to be fed, watched over, strengthened nurtured, loved, taken care of. So God gives us a faith. We need to feed that faith. Now the crazy thing is some people, instead of feeding their faith, they feed their fears. They feed their doubts. Some people, instead of increasing that, that, uh, the right food that would cause that babe of, of faith to grow and become stronger, they feed it poison. You can't feed it the world and you can't feed it the doubts and the fears and expect your faith to grow. So every time I come to church and and I hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When I take time outside outside of the Bible studies and the church services and I read the Bible, I'm feeding my faith. I'm growing in God because I'm I'm reminding myself that God said, that uh, these, this, these are the promises that he's given me. If I don't know his promises, if I haven't taken time to learn them and read them, I can't draw from them. I've got to put this faith inside of me. Time and prayer. People who don't pray really have a lack of faith. Because they're saying, I just don't believe that God can help me. That's a scary thing. What about this? You say, I have problems in my marriage. Is it because you haven't applied what God says? You have a lack of faith when it comes to our marital relations? Well, I know that God said that my husband is to be the provider. Or I know that God said that I am to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Or I know that God said that I am to uh, submit to my husband and to reverence him. But I just don't believe God knew what he was talking about. And so you end up with these heads knocking together because they think, I've got to have this power and authority. A wife might think, I must have this power and authority or else he's going to trample me. And God says, no, 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 that's not the way to do it. That's not what my word says. But God, you don't know. That's the problem, isn't it? Take it down the line. Wherever you find a sin in your life where you have struggled, it's almost always because of a lack of faith. So when, when the Bible said the just shall live by faith, we understand why. Now, here's the, the, 
Uh, here's the opposite of that. After every sin, after every battle, the way that you get out of that battle is by faith. You've got to have confidence. If you've sinned and you, you want to be forgiven, the way out of that sin is, God, I am confessing my sins. And your word said, if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So the first step out of my failure is I've got to believe that God will do it. If I've stumbled, if I've come up short, I can stay down there and say, well, here it is. I'm always going to be this way, and I can't believe this happened. Whatever made me think that I could be more than just a, uh, uh, just like my daddy or just like my grandmama or just like this person, always in the same situation, and they rejected me, and they didn't care about me, and I didn't have friends, and, and all this stuff. Whatever made me think that I could be different, because you don't have faith in God. When God says, hey, you are the apple of my eye. When God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. When God says, underneath are the everlasting arms. Those are promises in the word of God that we put into our mind. And then we can be, we can be strengthened. So that when we're rejected by the world. And mom, the Bible said, when father and mother have forsook me, the Lord will take me up. Man, when I know those things, that gives me strength. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be despondent. I don't have to be in despair because I have faith. And so you begin to understand this is not something small. Now, here's the same thing I want to tell you. You have got to feed your faith. You have got to feed your faith. You feed it by spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading your Bible, attending church. You feed your faith by sharing your faith. There's something about it. When you begin to share what God has done in your life, not only does it impact the other person, it impacts you. And I would say if you are not a soul winner, again, going back to this same idea, it's probably because you don't really have a full-throated, full-hearted faith in God. Do you not believe that at the end of this life there's going to be an eternity, a heaven and a hell, a forever? Going on. Faith is this substance, this embryo of things hoped for, which means one day it will be born. Faith is this hypostasis. That's what stands under something, which gives the contract meaning, the building strength, the promise and the documents a basis it's the title deed of things hoped for, the legal right. It belongs to me, though I still haven't seen it yet. And so taking that, you begin to, we're going to walk through all of these great Old Testament examples. Because they believe God, even though they didn't see it. They believe God that they would attain what God said, even though it wasn't in their hands yet. Now, again, I want to reiterate to you. This is Old Testament examples that Paul is quoting in the New Testament. And Paul's writing to this group of Jews. But God's giving us these words. Which means God thinks it's important enough for us to apply it to our lives. One of the greatest things that could happen to you in this Bible study is for you to begin to say, you know what? I believe God. And I believe that God's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And I believe I should be exactly what God said that I should be. And then I believe that, that what his word says is true. It's true about raising our children, how we should do it. 
here's, here's where we're, we're fought because the Word of God gives us one set of teaching, but the world comes against it. It says, no, don't correct your child. No, don't spank them. No, don't do this. No, don't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to ruin little Johnny. No, if you, when you correct them and you teach them authority and you teach them that mom and dad love them and that you can't just have their way any way they want to, you give them understanding that there's limits and there's an authority. You teach them that, that you have to interact with people and that you are not God yourself. You don't do your, your children any favors by letting them run rampant through life. Well, I love them and so I won't correct them. You're, you're hurting them because life is going to correct them one day. They're going to be thrown in jail. They're going to be fired. They're not going to be able to get along with anybody because they're such self-entitled little brats because mom and dad didn't teach them there's limits to life. Now, you know that because you know people like that. Amen? And they, they don't know how to interact. It's all about them. Woe be unto you if you marry somebody like that. Whew, going on. What feeds this? When that embryo is in the mom, the mother's body feeds that embryo to where it becomes full term and then eventually is birthed. It's dependent upon the carrier until birth, dependent on the parents until self-sufficient, but eventually has a life of its own. So, if we think about that, what is this that uh, actualizes that life? God gives us a desire, and that desire is linked with this possibility. People often, they use these terms, I just don't think. It could never be. That's impossible. But just change it a little bit. What if it could be? It's like you're pushing open the door and letting some fresh air blow through your brain. What if, what if God does want to use you? What if you're not too old? What if you're not from the wrong part of town or that God can use whoever it is? You know, God, God's got the brains and he's got the money and he's got the intellect and he's got the strength. He just needs you to say, God, use me. He doesn't need all of your ability and all of these things. He, just, he needs your availability. And every time you shut the door by saying, couldn't be me, woe is me, I'm stuck, I'm in debt, I have a problem, I've got a, a sickness, I've got, I'm too old, I'm not very strong, I'm not very smart, I don't know too much of the Bible. You shut the door on what God could do with you. What if God could use you, little old you, to reach your workplace, to reach your neighborhood, to tell people about Jesus, and their lives could be forever changed. What if God could use little old you? And here's the thing, he can. He can. I'm, remi I'm reminded of a preacher, he, uh, he was a teenager, gotten saved. Uh, Kind of reminds me of Reverend Hill's story, but he had, he had gotten saved, and at school he was the lone teenager. And uh, he was thinking about it, man, it would be good if I had some other people. And he, he went to his pastor, and he said something along the lines of, man, it would be good to have a, a Bible club at my school. But I, I probably couldn't do that. And the pastor, knowing how to push his buttons, said, yeah, you're right, you probably couldn't do it. 
And once he said that to him, he said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Grabbed his Bible and he went back to school the next day just, you know, looking to get something started. Because once he was told he couldn't do it, then that pastor, he kind of pushed his buttons and he went back and he began a Bible, cl- a Bible uh, club. And he got some of those teens uh, to where they were hearing the word of God and got them saved. You know, you don't have to, here's the thing. Sometimes you're waiting until you know enough to be able to do something for God. Don't wait. God knows enough. Share what you do have. If you don't have anything else, you can share what God did for me. Hey, listen, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible, but I know I was sad, and I know I didn't have any hope. And one day I came to a church service, and I opened up my heart, and God came in and gave me such joy, and he forgave me of my sins. That's not even quoting a bunch of Bible. It's just telling them what happened in your life. Everybody can do that. Well, they won't receive it. And, and I've done this. I've kicked myself because sometimes I've been hesitant to share something. And then eventually God will bring me to a place where I'll share something and I'll be astounded, <laughs> you know, great man of faith, astounded that people will respond and, and open up. But it shouldn't be that way. All we got to do is share. The results are up to God. All we got to do is tell him, listen, here's what God did for me. Faith is the substance. That embryo of things hoped for, I feed it, eventually it comes forth. Let me just peek, stir your faith a bit. If you could do anything, what would you do? If you could be anything, if resources were not an issue, what would you like to accomplish? What if you just opened up your heart and said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm thinking of a man. <laughs> it's kind of funny because there was a, a man that's no longer with the organization. But he was talking about this preacher. At the time, he was a young man. He hadn't even been through Bible college yet. And he said, <laughs> he was not very complimentary in one sense. He said, he is not very smart. He didn't know a whole lot. He said, but he, he gets the world to come to church. He gets all kinds of folks to come to church. Now, I'm not sure if that's his, 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 his stick, his play that he puts on, that he comes across as just this homegrown kind of friendly individual. But he uses it today and has built a, a, a strong church and continues to build in many places. And this other guy was talking about, he's not so smart, but man, he's a soul winner. I'm wondering, he that winneth souls is wise. His actions have shown that he's much smarter than the other man. Amen. Going on. Let me go on. I got just a few minutes. Now, faith is the substance that embryo things hope for, the evidence, hypostasis, the things that hold up, the things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. The elders obtained a good witness. They witnessed afterwards that these guys believe God. Let me give you some examples. We're going to go through them. My time is up, so I'm just going to give you a couple little teasers of of coming events. Here was Abraham. Abram at the time in this uh, place called Ur of the Chaldees. They didn't know about God. They didn't have any... uh, 
teaching about the Hebrew God and about Jehovah. And he hears this voice. And I'm not sure even how it happened. Was it an audible voice to him? Was it something in his mind that said, come and follow me. And I'm going to lead you to a land. And here he is. The Bible said, and he believed God. He left his father. He left this, this Ur of the Chaldees. He left this idol uh, building place, this, this heathenism. And he went out and followed God, not knowing not knowing where God was going to lead him, not even knowing, he didn't even know a whole lot about the God that was calling him. And yet he, he left all, left his family, left his, his uh, everything back there, and he went forward for God. Now, when you read that and then you think about us, because we know God. We know God can forgive us. We know God can provide for us. We know he's a good God. We know he's got all power. And so when he asks us to do something, how much more should we jump you can, you can understand why the toddler might hesitate jumping into dad's arms. If I remember correctly, when William was a little fella and we were trying to get him to do that, he was on some steps. He was like, ah. And then eventually we got him to jump. And then you had to watch out because he'd jump whether you were looking at him or not. Amen. Get caught the first couple times. Oh, yeah, okay, that'll, that'll work. And then he'll jump and they'll say, Dad, why is he in the air? You got to turn around and catch him, you know? <laughs> so it's the same thing with God. You, you, can under, you can understand, let me say it in a different way. You can understand the toddler's hesita- hesitancy or hesitation, but there shouldn't be any hesitation with us because we know whatever he asks us to do, he has been faithful. He has been faithful. So with that, my time is up. I, I know I just got to introduce the chapter, but man, we got some good things coming up. Do remember, that's this sermon series coming up, Facing Life's Greatest Challenges. Think about that. Maybe you could text me uh, the great challenges that you may have faced in life. Already some folks have shared some things that I wouldn't even, wasn't even thinking about and uh, have been stirred, stirring me. And so uh, text me or message me. We love your input. We're looking forward to just a wonderful time. Remember, 90 days, we're already about, what is it? 15 days, 17 days in. Remember to invite your two people every day. Pray for those 20 minutes. Read those three chapters. How many have been trying to do that uh, as much as possible? Amen. Thank you. Praise God. I know you're doing it for the Lord. Keep on inviting. Keep on inviting. Keep on praying. Keep on reading. God's given us the increase on Sunday. We just want to keep on going upward and onward for the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for... You being a good God, that you love us with an everlasting love. God, we know underneath are the everlasting arms. We know you will work with us. We know you will not leave us nor forsake us. You'll be with us through the end of time. And God, knowing that gives us great bravery and boldness and courage to go forward. Help us to remember that when the world and circumstances, the devil, flesh, Society wants to tempt us to doubt you. Let us push it back and remember you're a great God, ready to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.